Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Friends, now we're going to give attention to the reading of the Scripture and interpreting God's Word for us, the Church, by the power of the Spirit. Today, on this 10th Sunday after Pentecost, we are reading from the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bible, let me invite you to open it to Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Daniel 6, 1 through 7. It pleased Darius, that was the king, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps stationed through the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, including Daniel. To these satraps gave account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Soon Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom. So the presidents and the satraps tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom, but they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. The men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So the presidents and satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, For thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. One day a man was hiking along the edge of a high cliff, and suddenly he slipped and he fell over the edge toward the ground below, but somehow he managed to grab a hold of a tree branch that was protruding out from the side of the cliff. But now he's in a predicament. It was too far for him to climb down. It was too steep for him to climb up. And so hoping that someone might be up at the top of the cliff, hiking on the trail who could help him, he shouted, Help! Help! Is there anyone up there? A voice from above said, My child, trust me. Let go and you will be saved. There was a long pause And then the man shouted again, Is there anybody else up there? Friends, faith is a wonderful idea. But when you're the one hanging from the edge of the cliff, it's not so easy to trust, is it? Welcome to week two of our series. It's called Cool Story, Bro. And during August, we are talking about the power of of story. We're celebrating that in the scriptures and in the story of our salvation, God has included us in the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so each week we're telling a story from the Bible and a story from one of our Timberlake people and celebrating God's goodness for us. I want you to remember that our series is based on three big ideas, three biblical ideas about how this story of our salvation works. And so number one is this, you have a story. Number two, God has been working in your story. And number three, someone will be blessed when you tell your story. Okay, so first, you have a story. 
You might not have thought so, but it's true. You have a story. And just because it may not be exciting and dramatic doesn't mean it's unimportant. Friends, remember, never underestimate the power of God to do something amazing with an ordinary life. You have a story. Secondly, God has been at work in your story. I want to encourage you to begin to notice or maybe continue noticing the work of God in your life. I want you to be intentional about looking for and listening for the grace of God in your life. Finally, friends, number three, someone will be blessed when you tell your story. We have to become willing to tell it. And I know the hesitation because I feel the same thing. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't want to be pushy. We're not sure it's going to make a difference. Friends, I'm telling you, it will make a difference. It will make a difference. This book is the story of our salvation and the salvation of the world. And the way God works in the world is to bless people who then bless people, who share their story of what God has done for them. You who share the story of what God has done for you so that all may come in to salvation through Jesus Christ. So remember, three things. You have a story. God's been working in your story. And someone will be blessed when you tell your story. So today we're going to hear two stories. The first is the story of Daniel. Daniel is a prophet in the Old Testament, and the one thing that most people seem to know about Daniel was that he is the guy who was in the lion's den. And for some reason, have you noticed, we've made this a children's story. Uh, Hey kids, who wants to hear about a man who was thrown to a bunch of lions that had the power to tear him limb from limb? Yay, me, oh, sounds so good. Look, you know, here's a picture of uh, lions. They look very chill. They look very calm. It's fine. No big deal, right? Uh, So anyhow, the the book of Daniel is written as a word of encouragement. This is a prophetic word to the Israelites who were facing persecution when they lived under the reign of a foreign king. The the book of Daniel is kind of broken up into two halves, uh, 12 chapters, six chapters each half. The first half lifts up heroes of the faith who uh, thrive because of their faithfulness to God. So not only Daniel, but also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were in the fiery furnace. The second half of the book is apocalyptic visions about the coming kingdom, and and the apocalypse has a lot in common with uh, Revelation. So the book of Daniel, book of Revelation are similar in that way. So who was Daniel? Daniel was an advisor to the king. He was wise, he had the ability to interpret dreams, and the king was so pleased with him, in fact, that he gave Daniel an increasing amount of authority and of responsibility. And the king made Daniel the ruler over Babylon and captain over all the other wise men of Babylon, which made the other wise men jealous. They did not like that Daniel had more power or authority than they did. And I wonder, have you ever been in a difficult situation like that? A difficult situation that was not of your own making. Maybe it was somebody else's fault, and yet you had to deal with the consequences. Well, that's Daniel's story. He was just doing his job. He was serving the king to the best of his ability, and the people around him turned it into a problem. The other advisors were so jealous they conspired against Daniel. So they convinced the king to make a law, an irrevocable law, you can't take it back, that anyone who prays to any deity 
other than the king will be thrown into the lion's den. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody you thought you could trust? You ever been let down by someone you, you thought you should have been able to trust and yet you were let down or betrayed? Friends, Daniel certainly was. You know, he knew about the law, but uh, you see, Daniel was a Jew. He did not practice the civil religion of the Babylonian Empire. He refused to bow down to idols. He refused to pray to earthly kings. Daniel worshipped the living God only. So each day he knelt down in front of his open window, and and the window faced Jerusalem. So there's Daniel kneeling down in, in the window, praying to God. And of course, the governors spied on him, right? They came and looked, and they saw him, and so they snitched to the king. Oh, king, live forever, blah, 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 right? They, they pretended to be virtuous. Oh, king, remember that law that you made? Well, we saw Daniel praying, and he was not praying to you. He was praying to his God, so now you have to feed him to the lions. When someone betrays us, there is a great temptation to sin. Maybe you've had this experience. We are tempted to be angry or resentful or bitter toward our enemies. When we've been betrayed, we have a hard time trusting. Not only a difficulty trusting people, but have you noticed when people let us down, sometimes we have difficulty trusting God. We have difficulty trusting anyone. Friends, the temptation is great to sin. So that night they threw Daniel to the lions, and we pick up the story in chapter 6, verse 19. The story says, then at daybreak, so this is the morning after, the king got up and he hurried to the den of lions. And when he came near, he cried out, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you faithfully serve been able to deliver you from the lions? (laughs) Is he able? Is he able? Friends, this might be the most understated question in the whole Bible. Is, is the God who made heaven and earth, who gave his servant Daniel life, who created the cave in which he spent the night and made the very lions that surrounded him, is he able to deliver you? Yes. <laughs> the Lord is able. Friends, say yes. Yes. Say the Lord is able. The Lord is able, friends. The Lord is able. The story continues. Daniel then said to the king, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him. Then the king was exceedingly glad, so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Because he had trusted in his God. Brothers and sisters, never forget, your God is able. Your God is trustworthy. Your God is able. Your God is trustworthy. God is a mighty deliverer and a loving Savior, and you can trust him. You can trust him. I want you to hear another story about trust today. This one comes from our friend Tina Wright. Tina is one of our Timberlake people. 
She is an attorney and a wife and very active in the ministry of our church. Friends, this is a story about trust. And I want you to listen for that as Tina shares her story with us. Tina Wright. Hey, Timberlake, it's Pastor Brett, and I'm here with my friend Tina Wright. Hey, Tina, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us for this time of uh, testimony and story sharing. So tell us about yourself. Who is Tina? Tell us a little bit about maybe your family, where you're from, what you do for a living. Sure. Um, well, I was born just outside of Atlanta in a suburb called Snellville. My family moved to the Concord and Rustburg area when I was eight, and I've kind of been bouncing around uh, the Lynchburg area since then. Um, I got my associate's degree from CBCC while I was still in high school, my bachelor's degree from Randolph College, and then my Juris Doctorate from Liberty University School of Law. I passed the bar in 2018, and I've been in private practice as an attorney since then. Congratulations on passing the bar. That's no small thing. Uh, thank you. Uh, so tell us about being a lawyer. What made you want to do that? Um, I said that I wanted to be a lawyer when I was very young. And at the time, I really had no idea what that meant. I think even going into law school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my law degree once I finally got it. Um, I practice a lot of criminal defense now and it shocked me when I um, first kind of made the connection between my faith and um, practicing criminal defense specifically. Um, of course we're all sinners but we all have opportunities for redemption and I often tell my criminal defendants, um, particularly the ones that express to me how terrible they feel about the situation that they're in that I believe that they are much more than the worst thing they've ever done. Because I believe every person is much more than the worst thing they've ever done. And um, practicing criminal defense has blessed me more than I could have imagined when I started law school. Um, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about your faith. Uh, tell us about your understanding of God as a young person. I grew up in the United Methodist Church. I've been going to church as long as I can remember, at least. Um, starting my early teenage years, I was part of a youth group at a Baptist church. And um, I didn't go on Sunday mornings, but I went to a youth group every Sunday. And that was really rewarding for me. And that was when I first started developing a relationship with God. So when I was a teenager, um, my parents' relationship became an issue, um, enough of an issue that they couldn't hide it from me and my brother anymore. There wasn't necessarily a ton of fighting, but they had kind of fallen out of love as unfortunately is kind of common today. Well, eventually they told us that they were getting a divorce. And of course I was upset about that, but things got worse when my dad lost his job. And in hindsight, as I've done research and gotten older, I'm sure he was suffering from depression and other mental health struggles that he never sought help for. And it wasn't too much longer after that, that he lost his job, that I lost my father to suicide. I was 18 at the time and a senior in high school and it was nine days before Christmas. Um, my mom also struggles with depression to this day, and 
it, and had been for a few years when this happened. She was obviously incredibly hurt and her grief combined with her own mental health struggles really kept her from being able to support me and my brother. And for a while, I couldn't stand to be in the same room as her. I, I blamed her for what happened. I blamed God for what happened. And I blamed myself for not seeing the signs before my dad chose to take his own life. So I moved out of the house during my senior year and I decided I could take care of myself. And I walled myself off from most people, particularly my family and people that knew my dad and did everything I could to be as self-reliant as possible. And so in my late teenage years, I was incredibly distant from God. Mm. That sounds like a real burden for, especially for a young person to not only carry the death of your father, but then a sense of responsibility. I'm sorry that happened. And I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that with us. Talk, um, talk about the effect that had on, on your faith. That manifested itself in me refusing to acknowledge God's work in my life. In hindsight, it's easy to see that God never abandoned me. And, and truthfully, I was never nearly as self-reliant as I thought I was. About six months after um, my dad passed away, I started dating Stephen, who has been there every step of the way. His family really stepped in and were there for me anytime I needed help. And they accepted me as one of their own immediately. Um, God provided me a place to live when I felt like I couldn't go home. God provided me scholarships to go to school, jobs to pay for my needs while I was in school, and everything I needed. And though at the time I thought I was so self-reliant, I was paying for things on my own and, and doing everything myself, um, it's easy to see looking back that that was never me doing those things. That was, that was God all along. Hmm. That's profound. Uh... The, the self-reliance is a myth, I think, we tell ourselves, right? It's, it's a false story. When, when did faith become a priority for you in your life? A few years after my dad passed away, um, I was really walled off from, from God and other people for at least two years. And it wasn't um, until Stephen and I started coming to Timberlake in the mornings that I got serious about my relationship with God again. I was still angry at God then, and I refused to come with him for a long time. Or I would come and complain about it the whole way there and the whole way back. When Stephen started drumming on Sunday mornings, I started meeting people at church. And it took me a long time, but I realized that I could talk to these people and I could trust them with the heavy stuff. The relationships I have with people in my life group are some of the relationships that I value most at Timberlake. Life groups are where you can talk about the, the hard stuff and the heavy stuff without judgment. And once you open up to others about that and, and trust people to hear your viewpoint on it and realize that they share it or they can empathize with it and they tell you how they deal with those issues, that has been really instrumental in my 
relationship both with others, with the people in my life group, and with God in my prayer life. Mm, Wonderful. Tina, who is God to you? God to me is is God the Father. And I I certainly think that's because of losing my own father um, at a time when I was old enough to really feel grief from that loss, but too young to have gone through anything like that and to know how to process those emotions in a healthy way, because obviously the way that I processed those emotions was not healthy. So I find myself going to the Heavenly Father with everything that I wish I could go to my dad about now. And that image to me is the most powerful of all the different images of God. We're so grateful to Tina. Thank you, Tina, for sharing your story with all of us and for being vulnerable. Friends, I want to encourage you, go and do likewise. Share your story with someone else. Acknowledge those hard times in your life when it's been hard for you to trust God. We've all been betrayed. We've all been let down by one person or another. And yet God proves to us over and over again that God is able. God is trustworthy. Friends, give all your trust to him who made you, who loves you. Let God's people say amen.